You're listening to The Itch, a podcast exploring all things allergy, asthma, and immunology. I'm your co-host, Courtney, a real-life allergy, asthma, and eczema girl. And I'm your second host, Dr. Payal Gupta, a board-certified allergy, asthma, and immunology doctor. Courtney and I hope to balance each other out so that we get you all the information that you want and need about allergies, asthma, and immunology. Hi, everyone. Today, we're bringing you a conversation we recorded back in August at the Food Allergy Bloggers Conference. Jill and Gina are a mother and daughter who spoke at the Food Allergy Bloggers Conference, and we invited them to share some of their talk about self-advocating and the steps that a family can take in managing their food allergies or any other medical condition. Jill has multiple food allergies, and Gina has been there to help lead the way and slowly give up the reins. We talk about their four-step process, which is modeling, small-step advocacy, supported advocacy, and independent advocacy. We share examples of how to use this process and how Gina has helped Jill become an independent food allergy teenager. We hope you'll take away some pointers on how to help start advocacy early on. So we are recording from FabLogCon, and this morning I listened to a really interesting talk about how to self-advocate. That's how I'm going to say it, and I'll let our guests tell you more about it but we're here with mom Gina and daughter Jill and they are gonna talk to you a little bit about their journey of getting Jill prepared to self-advocate and what was really interesting for me to listen to this talk is that I was there you know 15 years ago and they broke it down into some really nice steps and some really nice actionable thoughts so I think that it's something that I hope you guys will take away feeling more confident about getting your kids out there talking for themselves and also if you're a younger person listening kind of to hear how another younger person is managing their allergies so we'll just start by introducing you guys do you want to talk a little bit about who you are i'm jill i play lacrosse in philaki and i'm allergic to dairy nuts shellfish sesame and eggs and i'm going to my freshman year of high school and i'm her mom and i've been on uh this journey a long time starting with her um diagnosis i started a support group and then uh, a nonprofit and then started working with schools and putting out resources to educate people with managing food allergies specifically at school. But then as Jillian started getting older, I started to think about, well, where do I want her to be um, when she graduates? high school, what kind of tools is she going to need to have to take care of herself going into college? And then what does she backtrack and what is she going to need in middle school and then backtracked again? So I think her middle school years were when I really started to think about like, how do we break this down? And, and what does this all mean? Getting, transferring this advocacy role from parent to child. So can you maybe we'll start with just giving a little summary of what you guys talked about. So you talked about four different points. Can you break that down and then we'll dive into each one a little bit more? Sure. When we when I first talked to Jill, I said, let's let's talk about this because I think it'd be really helpful for people to to understand these steps. So I had to really think about what 
what does this really look like in our day-to-day life? And so we broke it down into the first step is modeling, which I think everybody just does naturally. A parent will advocate, but just keeping in mind that when you're advocating, your child's always watching. And so to be aware of how you're doing it and what kind of cues you're giving to your child. And then I felt that the second step was what we call um, small step advocacy, where you just give them a portion of of the advocacy role where the adult is still mainly in charge of the advocacy, but the kid maybe takes on a smaller role, which we can talk about the examples a little bit later. And then the third step was a supported advocacy where the child really takes the reins, but you're still there for support. And it could also be another adult that's supporting or their friends that are supporting, but there's other people there that are there to support. And then finally, hopefully the fourth is being completely independent and able to advocate without those supports in place. Can you talk a little bit about what you mean when you say advocacy? Just define that. I uh, Yeah, that's a really good point. I was thinking mainly like her day-to-day life. If you're going into a restaurant, how do you handle that situation? If you're going into schools, how are you going to make sure that your classroom feels safe? If you're going on a field trip, how are you going to make sure that you feel comfortable on that field trip? Playing sports, whatever activities, making sure that the, those spaces are safe because I think that's a lot of what we do as parents is we run in ahead of time and we try to put in all these safeguards and so they but you need to learn how to do that as you're getting older and you want to be able to function and be able to do everything that you want to do so what what needs to be put into place and how do you advocate for those needs so how do you speak up for those needs yeah what's the best it, what's the best way and we did talk about that too because that's dependent on the on the child like what did you want to say anything about the way like the way how you feel comfortable advocating well I usually just like talk up and speak up and basically like when I am advocating for myself I like to just say what I want to say and like get the point across to the person I'm advocating like to so do you usually have a list of things that you always advocate for or how does that work um I usually do like for like my extracurricular activities I do like how I like my food allergies and then usually like other like stuff I have other stuff I'm doing I'm a more outgoing person so I like to talk face to face and then I think Jillian does when she's comfortable, but initially that's not what she goes for. I think she's used like texting and emails. That's been an effective mode for her. So I think it's important to understand personality differences between you and your child and to be able to come up with ways for your child to effectively advocate given their personality. So you could give an example too of the like the emails that you've written to advocate for yourself. Um, well, for our lacrosse teams, I advocated for myself to say like, I think I should be placed on another team when I was like practicing with other teams and I was initially placed with the lower team, but like I thought that I should be placed with the higher team and I emailed the coach and they said they made a mistake and I advocated for myself by that. When you're talking about advocacy, you're kind of teaching her advocacy in all forms of her advocacy, not just her food allergies, but just how to be an advocate in general. Right. With or the, the things that with she's With our presentation, we kind of went through a lot of food allergy examples, but one of the tips that we said is to, is to take every opportunity that you can to flex those advocacy muscles. So things even out 
outside of food allergies, which will help with the food allergies, but also just in life in general, learning to speak up for yourself and learning the best way, the most effective way to speak up for yourself is important. When you have the four steps in place, can you give us an example of what that looks like? Would it be helpful to go through one of the examples? Like, let's say we go into a restaurant. What do these steps look like? Or you're going into a 504 meeting. What do these steps look like? Yeah. let's. Should we start with a restaurant? Because I think that's a really nice example of, like, how do these steps look at different times? Maybe we can equate it to age and step, mm-hmm. you know, what step at what age. And and also what I'd be interested to hear, Jill, is when did you did you also have an active role in saying, actually, mom, can I can I chime in today? Like, was that something you were interested in? And if there was, what kind of situation was that? Um, well, usually like in a restaurant, I would say like at first I would have my mom do it. And I was like too scared to. But like now I say I'll just do it. And then I say it and then it's better now, I guess. Yeah, I think like the modeling initially was I would be talking and then the small steps would I would say, OK, I'll talk to the server, but I want you to tell the server what your allergies are. So she felt comfortable with saying those allergies. So she would do that. And then now I'm like, talk to the server. She usually brings her own food. She's supposed to have that discussion with the server. Oh, I I have food allergies. I brought my own food. So she now handles that. And then when we were in some safe spaces like Disney, she would handle discussing that. And then the next time it would be that, like, can you just the small that? steps I would she didn't want to speak up initially and then I would say well you have to at least give your like what you're allergic to and then I'll handle the rest and then so that so we did that and then the third step was she would order or speak to the server but I was there if, if there was any issues or if I felt like I needed to step in for some reason but she handled it and then the independence would be where she's just on her own. I might, I might not even be there, you know, if, so that she can feel confident if she's going with her friends out to a restaurant that she's going to be able to handle that with the chef that would come out. But I think a really good example of you kind of taking over the reins and kind of pushing me aside, which is what you hope for as a parent, would be like the Washington, D.C. field trip that you went on. You might want to talk a little bit about that. Um, so we went on a Washington, D.C. field trip in our eighth grade year, and they wanted to make the whole bus safe snack list only and have all my allergens out. And so I said, like, I didn't want them to do that, and I wanted them to think that I wasn't the reason that was getting, like, all their good snacks out of the bus, I guess. And so I advocated for myself, and I said that I would like to have everyone wipes their hand after I have, they have something I can have. I thought that was a really good example of where the school felt more comfortable having the bus just free of all of her allergens. And I, as a parent, felt more comfortable, but I had to listen to her cues and she didn't want that. She And she felt comfortable with just the hand washing and it worked out great. I think that's really nice that you gave her the toolkit, that you got the toolkit, Jill, to go, okay, I feel comfortable. I understand what it feels like to talk up and to express my needs and to feel confident in actually saying that to a group of adults is really great. Like, I'm okay with my allergens being around me because I know how to manage it and maybe we can just let other people manage it and that's your security level is higher now. Like, you feel like, I can manage my allergies. We can have them in the bus. 
because I know what to do. So I think that's really nice. And it's hard for a mom, I bet. Yeah. But it's also probably really a big gift to know that your daughter is feeling like she can stand up for herself. Definitely. I mean, I think that's a good sign when when your child's able to, to articulate that, but also give the reasons behind it. She wasn't just saying, no, I don't want to do it because I don't want to deal with it. She was saying, I feel comfortable because we will have the wipes. And there were other supports in place. Like she had her friends surrounding her and she knew her friends would be careful with her allergens. And she had other people like teachers that were uh, on board and, and knew you know what to look for. And she felt comfortable. And I think also that was helpful because as the trip went on, there were some unexpected things that came up. And then she was able to kind of field those issues on her own being you know seven hours away from me. And it, and it worked out. So I think if you don't allow your child to kind of navigate some of those things and when they really need to, they're not going to have the experience to handle it. What were those unexpected things that came up? Um, well, one of them was in the hotel room, there was something I couldn't have. And my fr- my other friend was saying that, oh, she can't have that. Like, don't bring it in. And so I just made sure she wiped the, girl, the other friend wiped her hands and it was fine. Okay. And so, I mean, that's super interesting because, you know, they did a whole study on teenagers and what was, what were the factors that allowed them to feel more comfortable in any given situation. And part of it was having a support system, like having your friends that were there for you and that would speak up for you makes you feel more empowered, right? It makes you feel safer. Is that right? Is that what you feel? Yeah. Yeah. And those friends, when you're in situations, when you don't feel like that, how have you used the tools that your mom's given you to overcome those situations? Because I think that's where the sticky situations come into play when your friend isn't there to say, hey, hold on, you can't have that in here. How how have you navigated those situations? Well, I would speak up for myself and just say, like, I can't have that. Like, can you like, wipe your hands or make sure, like, it's not around me? And I would just usually speak up for myself and use wipes as, like, a tool, I guess, and say, like, can you wipe your hands or wash your hands? And, yeah. That's a really good point, Jillian, because she does always travel with her own wipes, and I think that's helpful because a lot of... The anxiety or issues usually are surrounded by allergens not being contained, and that gives you. I just that just you saying that just it's kind of an epiphany. That is one of the tools that you really use to kind of empower yourself. Is that you always have wipes, so you're able to kind of take control of the situation if you need to. But ideally, as a parent, I think I'm always talking to her about like who are the people that will be her support in any given situation. So let's say it's lacrosse. She knows the tra- local lacrosse trainer really well. And, and I think she knows that if there was an issue, she could go to her. And then what are some teachers that you feel really comfortable with? And who are, I'm always talking about who are the people that you could go to. And I think she's just naturally thinking about those things too. Like I feel comfortable with this coach. I feel comfortable with this person. So if something did come up that you, you have somebody that you could reach out to. Have you had friends or acquaintances that have made it hard for you? And can you talk about that? I mean, they usually stick up for me, like, if something did happen. So, like, not really, but, like, I have had some friends who, like, have had my allergens, but they understand how to wipe their hands and, like, how to navigate, like, helping, like, helping me out and, like, helping me talk to other people about it. And so, yeah. 
I'm curious, how do you, when you talk to your friends about it or when you talk to them for the first time about your allergies, what did that conversation look like? Well, the first time, like, my best friend, she had Doritos and she asked if I wanted one and then my mom had to say, like, oh, no, you can't give her that. After that, I would, like, talk to her about, like, my food allergies and say, like, how to navigate it and, like, say, like, how you can't eat stuff around me and then she completely understood and then now she always like wipes her hands and always like make sure I'm okay did you guys have like a fun this is how you use epi party yeah kind of <laughs> yeah she like I taught her how to use epi, epi and she was like okay and now she's like is completely fine with giving it to me if I needed it yeah I think almost too fine she's like sure I'm gonna I'll use it yeah <laughs> that's cute yeah that's cute. <laughs> but I guess I guess my other question is what about those people that aren't supportive have you had any situations like that and it's great if you haven't I just I'm just curious for the listeners that have you know it's just nice to hear that sometimes there are situations that don't completely feel comfortable but if you haven't had that that's amazing well one time in like fourth grade we had to always wipe our hands after we went out to recess or before we went out to recess and this kid was like like we didn't have any wipes left and he was like oh we can't go outside because of Jillian and I got very upset by that but then my other friends they told the teacher and he got in trouble anyway and he um but that was kind of one time I felt very uncomfortable and very like upset by like me being blamed for that so and I think it's interesting going back to that situation where everyone is impacted by your allergies and then how you now have maybe recognized that situation and what makes you feel comfortable as you get into teen years is not feeling like you have to stand out and you've advocated for yourself already by the bus ride for instance so I think it's a really interesting learning tool to see where you've come from these situations that made you uncomfortable and being able to stick up for yourself and I think that that's sometimes hard for parents I think we talked about this earlier outside of our podcast about how it's hard for parents to let go but how empowering that is for food allergy kids to know that their parents trust them with the tools they've given them. I don't know if you want to speak to that, Gina, about how it feels. I did want to say that uh, I think when you're at the beginning of the journey that it's tough to see what the end is going to look like. And I think parents tend to think that you're children are going to have the same needs or same skills that they have when they're like five and so initially you're thinking like I think I'd shared in the in the uh, presentation that when she entered middle school in fifth grade I knew that eighth grade trip was coming and I was like oh, I'm definitely gonna have to go on that trip because I'm thinking well where she was at when she was 10 she wasn't ready to handle that and I was thinking about all the things that could go wrong but I think for parents to understand that as they grow your children are going to mature they're going to hopefully build these skills they're going to have their own opinions and thoughts about things and it's not you just take it one step at a time but know your child is going to going to get there because I think it can be really overwhelming especially when you're they're first diagnosed and you think they're always going to need to like wipe everything down or or you know their friends aren't going to need to wash their faces because they're not going to be as messy and they're not going to need to wash their hands maybe because they're not using their hands to eat so it's like there's a whole different level that their children around them their friends are going to have their own weight skills they're going to be neater and more aware and then your child is going to have more awareness and more of those skills. 
Yeah, that's really interesting to hear. Like we forget that we develop (laughs) as people and our skills as developed. And so we evolve with that. I know I've spoken, you know, as a food allergy consultant with parents that have had a lot of anxiety because I think they're taking on too much. Like they're thinking, oh my gosh, when they're, they're in high school, but I'm like, okay, let's just talk about, you know, first grade. What can we do here? And that you're your child's going to be in a different place. You're going to be in a different place and every in the community is going to be in a different place by the time they're there. So kind of taking one step at a time, but being aware that this is where I want my child to be at the end of this. By the time they're graduating from high school, you don't want them having to live at home and not having, being afraid to have a job or, I mean, you want them to be fully functioning and, and able to take advantage of every opportunity. So how do you, how do you get there? We need to work on it, but it's a, it's a process. It takes time and you can't expect, you know, a six-year-old, seven-year-old to have the same tools and awareness and all those things that maybe a child in high school or, or now you as an adult, like I had said, it's been great to for Jillian to see you because you're such it's you're such a great example and I think it's important for parents to see that too like you're a fully functioning person that's enjoying life and food allergies are just one aspect of your who you are and your life thank you <laughs> my mom did a good job yeah, she did. <laughs> shout out you to did my too. mom your mom and and you you know it's a, yeah so Jillian if you could give like a tip to say someone around your age who's feeling nervous about advocating for themselves what would you tell them I would probably tell them it's okay to speak up and it's fine to like be who you are and like don't let food allergies get in the way of you living life and you'll have obstacles but like still like speak up if there's something wrong and it's fine to do that and it's fine if you do stand out because that's it's fine to speak up and throwing that at mom do you have a tip for a mom or a dad or a caregiver who's having a hard le- hard time letting go yeah so just as you were saying that I have this image of Jillian when she was I want to say like maybe six in Paris we had this unbelievable opportunity where friends of ours were from they were from France and they were going back there for six months and they said come visit us and I said I can't let this opportunity pass us by we really need to do this and there were a lot of obstacles we had to overcome like making sure that she was going to be safe on the flight and making sure the food was safe but I just remember walking down the streets of Paris and Jillian was in front of me with her friend and they were arm in arm and just strutting down the sidewalk like they owned it and I just like I tears can come to my like come to my eyes even now because I just saw her like as this independent person and and I think that if you keep that vision that you want your child to be like strong and independent it can help you let go no wow that's such a powerful image and it's so important I think for parents no matter what I think watching your children grow up is just a process and then having them grow up with a chronic illness is its own process just being visionaries and knowing that they are going to grow and that they are going to go through that that process and that they're going to be fine and seeing that is so important so I think that's a beautiful image I think that's a great image to leave us off with, with some hope and with some inspiration. But before we go, do you guys want to tell us where we can find you online? Because both of you are very active. Um, you can find me on my Instagram, jillergy underscore, or you can email me at jillergyinfo at gmail.com. 
And I have a website. It's a foodallergyconsulting.com. And I'm also pretty active on Twitter. It's like at Manette Lee LLC. Great. And we'll link to those on our show notes. And maybe we'll get some of your slides from the presentation just to present that so you can see a clearer image of what they were talking about with the four steps. Thank you guys so much Thank for you. sitting Thanks with for us. having us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Remember that all information you hear today is for informational purposes only and are not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider. And also don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. And if you have a second, help spread the word by rating our podcast and sharing with your friends and family who might also be interested in learning more about allergies, asthma, and immunology. You can always stay up to date by checking out our Instagram, The Itch Podcast, where you can leave questions you are itching to know, or check out our website, which is www.itchpodcast.com, which contains more information about the subjects we covered in today's episode and every episode. Until next time, have a fabulous week.